guys, welcome back to Pins vs. Lens. I'm your host, Andrew Pritchard, and I'm here with the ever-lovely red-haired raven that is known as Alice Rackham. That was... We did this three times, and that was the intro that he landed on. It was my favorite one so far. Raven? Yeah. Red-haired raven, it sounded nice. Red-haired raven. Think about what a red-haired raven would look like. Awesome. Weird. No, super cool. It would be a black bird with, like, a red wig. Oh, see? <laughs> see, I was thinking a raven body, you know, the majestic... Uh, it's not body majestic, raven. it's like half crow. All red. Like, on fire. How cool would that be? It would signify the beginning of summer. Why? Because a white one signifies the beginning of winter. And I don't want to hate summer. I hate summer. All right, well, what would you like the red raven to signify? Fall. Okay, it can signify. <laughs> the only other one? So before you get the white raven, you get the red raven, which is like, hey, guys, like, you got three more months, and then the white raven. I like raven, the she, white one. You want the white? Yeah. All right, you know what? Let's just change your title. You're no longer the red-haired raven. Thank we'll, you. We'll, we'll change it to the red-haired sparrow. That sings lovely songs. You're not. She's giving me a very nasty look right now. Uh, Sparrow, lark. Why do I have to be a bird? Because they're they're light and feathery, and they can fly. I'm not light or feathery. Okay, Uh, I I think so. Feather on me. Well, (laughs) okay, okay. Not a one. Well, I don't know what kind of animal you are. You're an ocelot. I feel like you would be... Okay. What kind of animal would Andrew Pritchard be? You would be (laughs) some sort of, like, woodland creature. Okay. Alright. Like a really goofy woodland creature. Okay. Like a... Like a a ground... No, not a groundhog. What's the other one? Prairie dog! That's not a woodland creature. It's a prairie dog. It's on the prairie. (laughs) I was thinking, like, Oregon Trail animals. <laughs> <laughs> that you hunt and kill, like buffalo? I don't understand why deer. you would kill anything but the buffalo. They're so slow. It's true. They're, but, you know, they stampede. You don't <clears throat> Not on Oregon Trail. A pissed off buffalo <clears throat> is a scary sight. They're one at a time. In the game? Yeah. But who knows what those frontier, you know, pioneers ran into. They ran into animals that would rather run over the edge of the cliff than stand and fight the people chasing them. These are mm. not smart animals. I guess that's a good point. Well, I mean, which character did you choose when you played Oregon Trail? You know, you had like the oh, banker school teacher. I think I, I usually picked <clears throat> banker. I did too. He has the most money. He has the most <laughs> It's a pretty obvious choice, Oregon Trail. <laughs> well, it just meant that you could, like, buy your way out of stuff. Yeah. You Wait. Know. <laughs> but that's all you need in life is in, money. Well, in Oregon Trail. All right. I found that I'm more consistently one if I picked the banker. Yeah. Because you could afford to stop and, like, heal little Jimbo from cholera or whatever happened. I used to think cholera sounded like chocolate. And for some reason, I thought that's how you got it. Mm, mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah. So I'm drinking water. 
<laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's terribly medically inaccurate. I was very little. <laughs> um, well, cholera aside. Yeah, have we said what what Bakush? I don't remember. <laughs> so we're just gonna do it anyway. We, I don't think we have. I don't said think we have. We're gonna do, <laughs> guys. <laughs> Guys, we're coming all the way back. We're doing Count of Monte Cristo. There is no cholera or dysentery in this movie or film. Actually, uh, in the book, maybe. I don't know. But not in the film. Not in the film version that we're doing. Which would be what, Andrew? The 2002 version, Count of Monte Cristo, which happens to be the 10th time that the book was adapted into something. Wow, it's been public domain for a long time. <laughs> I think it's the third film. It's definitely the second, possibly the third. I've looked that back up. We're doing the version that stars Jim Caviezel and Guy Pierce. Cool. Yes. So I would say it is your classic sort of revenge story. It's, it seems to be where every revenge story stemmed from, even though. That's I mean, it's not, not the even first. Yeah, yeah, that's not true. But um, the book is a really great, like, gateway book. For classic literature, it it's is. uh, it's written to be read. So it's something like I mean, when when was the first time you read it? Uh, when I was just a lad. Just a, was, okay. <laughs> just a wee little lad. Oh boy. <laughs> my mother read it to me. No, she didn't. Okay, it was my it was my maid. So. <laughs> That's so sad. Your maid was like, one day I'll get that. Yeah, it was, I felt like she was taking on the main character in a lot of different ways. She was a really good reader. <laughs> Seriously. Um, no, it's, it's a really great, like, it's easy to understand. It's kind of, it certainly feels like every guy that I've ever met, like, that's the first classic book that they yeah, have read. Um, he, like Dickens, wrote to be read and not to be kind of, like, lofty or, or whatever. And so... Um, yeah, and especially even for this movie, it's very, um, you know, man saves his, you know, his, his fiance is taken from him and he's in prison and he has to fight his way all the way back to get back in her good graces and kill the guy who stole his woman from him and get his family back. And, um, I mean, it's very enjoyable. It's like a, almost like a classic fairy tale and, um, no. Fairy tale? Yeah. Not like magic. Well, yeah, but. Sort of like a gritty fairy a tale. A gritty fairy gritty, tale. dark fairy tale. You don't think so? No, no I, no. I think so because, like, the sword fighting and, like, the pirates that show up in the... At least in the movie after he escapes from Chateau d'If. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But, uh, which is actually a real castle, a real prison. When he escapes from there, he's picked up by pirates and he finds the tr- he finds a treasure that sort of funds his wealthy lifestyle. It's There's kind of... yeah. But that's not a fairy tale. A fairy tale is like Snow White or whatever. I see. So you're saying it needed magical elements to be fairy tale. Wouldn't it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, probably. So this just seems like uh, like almost like the Princess Bride without magic. You know. Is there magic in the Princess Bride? I, I guess know. Miracle Max, kind of. I mean, there's, like, rodents the size of, like, yeah, large dogs. Yeah, that's true. Um, R-O-U-S's? Excuse I don't me. believe those really exist. Uh, and then he gets tackled by one. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I'm so proud. Did you yes. watch that ex- explicitly? <laughs> you, you, we've had this exact same moment where we're having I know, right and you really dropped the ball the other podcasts time. Four ago. 
Um, so I don't know how it happens in the books, but in the movies, Dante, uh, I'm sorry, Edmund, uh, our main character, um, is a is a sailor boy, and uh, he runs into Napoleon, who has been exiled from France for obvious reasons. Like because, literally runs into him. Yeah, well, yeah. like he's chased by some British. There's a British ship chasing him, and then Napoleon comes to his aid somehow. And because Napoleon saves him, he gets Edmund to do him a favor, which is take this letter to this person in France for me so that I may escape being exiled. I don't know if that's what happens in the book, but that's what they do in the movies. And then he comes back, and he is imprisoned, and he's he's ratted on by his best friend, played by Guy Pierce, so that yeah, Guy Pierce can take his wife... Or his fiance, mm-hmm. marry her. His for neighbor. In the in the book, it's his neighbor. Oh, interesting, interesting. Um, so then our our main character goes to prison for like fifteen years, and he does he does push ups every day. He studies up on some geometry and uh, and uh, chemistry and uh, all the classic. Know? you know, histories. subjects and histories because there's some old man that like gets into a cell, yeah. like, you know, yeah. burrs his way into the cell and, uh, and teaches Edmund all these things. And then they escape together, except he dies. The old yeah. Dies. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen this movie. It's so far pretty faithful. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's done a, a pretty good job. I did lobby long and hard for you to do the wishbone version. Oh, I have not seen that. Oh, there's a wishbone version. <laughs> But uh, someone said no. Well, you know, I don't know if that's what, uh... I think that is what the people wanted. <laughs> I think it is. I know the, I know our audience. They want us to lightly make fun of each other, make out, and do wishbone versions. If you're shaking your head up and down right now and saying yes as Alice talks, then I have to apologize to you. I was completely wrong. <laughs> I, he thought way too much of <laughs> I did. I did. Um... Where are we? I don't know. We got distracted by talking about making out. Always. The the movie itself um, did pretty well in the box office, did pretty well with critics. Uh, my favorite portion, filmmaking-wise, of the movie is, um, besides all the amazing costumes and set design, and um, I just love the whole period that it's taking place in, but the sword fighting is pretty awesome. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Uh, the swordmaster on the film was Bob Anderson, who I think we've talked about before. He's like the iconic Hollywood swordmaster. And uh, the very final film, uh, I watched the behind the scenes for that, that fight sequence. And uh, it's where Edmund and his friend, uh, played by Guy Pierce, are fighting sort of in these uh, tall grasses. And what the director uh, asked for and did is, he put the camera on a dolly and it would run back and forth with the actors to sort of help uh, uh, build the action. But then he would, the prop department would follow the camera with various types of grasses and ferns and put it in the foreground of the camera to sort of like create this element of them like really just completely alone in the, in the, um, in this sort of field, like just the two of those guys battling it out. And in the behind the scenes, you can see the prop department is running with the camera on the dolly, like oh changing out like different types of grasses in front of the, uh, in front of the camera to create that foreground element. And it's really cool. So would you say that it effectively gets 
Dumas's original message and like a story of revenge and uh, how that doesn't necessarily work and so on. Well, um, I will say if if, Ale- if Alexander Dumas's message was that the act of revenge in the end like burns you yourself, right. then no, that is not the same message in the book. The book is. This here, this guy becomes. I mean, he does find happiness in the book. Abs- oh, he does. Okay. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, absolutely, but. because this movie is kind of like a, the re- a successful revenge story. You took everything from me. I'm going to take everything back, mm-hmm. and I'm going to get my family back, and my son back, and my wife back. Um, but it just, I mean, <clears throat> it's like in order to get revenge on this guy, you have to. You have to do this constant. It's like so all-consuming. That's I like see that. what you mean. So like the sacrifices he right, made was yeah, absolutely. That's that is that is in the film. Cool. Um, sort of like the sacrifices that Edmund has to make in order to get that back. Where there's a scene where he's with his son and he can't tell. He's he's slowly figuring right. out that it is his son, but he can't tell him that, and it's sort of heartbreaking to watch that scene uh, unfold between those two characters in the movie. So, yeah, there are some serious sacrifices that had to be made on, mm-hmm. on his part and what it took to uh, to accomplish that revenge. In the very final scene, the climactic scene of the movie, where they right before they have that final sword fight, there's sort of a decision that has to be made in Edmund's mind. Is, is the revenge worth the... Uh, worth his family's lives because now they're getting involved into it and how far is he willing to go? How far is he willing to sort of put them in the line of fire? <coughs> what, what is the, what's, how high is the cost? How far are you willing to go in that, in that sort of, um, in that scenario? And some of the, the themes that we have, um, the limitations of justice, his justice system failed him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he decides to take that into his own hands and uh, enact his own brand of justice, for better or for worse. Yeah. Very much yeah. like Zorro and Batman. I think these three characters have a lot in common. They should get together one day. You think so? Oh my gosh, I would watch that so much. Someone should write a fan fiction with Zorro, Edmund Dantes, and Batman. And me. And, and, and you, of course. You'd be like the one they're all fighting over. I'd be the one that, like, gets shit done. I'd be there for my story. is who I would be. I don't care. My own. So they also deal with changing names and suicide. The changing names is really interesting because it denotes, like, it's such an obvious, like, character has altered in some way. And it gives this, like, big, clear indicator. Um, well, as far as our main character, it's a very, like, Clark Kent transformation. I mean, if if Clark Kent can take his glasses off and be Superman, mm-hmm. this guy's transformation, yeah, he changes his name and his hair, he cuts his hair. And, like, that's as about <laughs> as far as the transformation happens for our character. And, like, the big giveaway in the movie is when he had long hair, he would he'd play with it and right. curl it with his hand. And then, like, like you, yeah, very much like the way I curl and play with my hair. No, when it was long. Yeah, that's Andrew true. also, Andrew also has gone through some hair <laughs> hair changes. Yep, <clears throat> I'm gonna change my name to Count of North Pritchardum. North nope. Pritchardum. Yep, that's my new name. You have to call me Count. I'm not doing Okay, fine. Uh, but unlike our main character, I don't have the symptoms of phantom limb. And I don't feel 
I, I don't go to feel my lost hair. Where he is <laughs> in, the, in the movie, he's caught by his fiance at one point after his transformation. They're sitting at the dinner table, and she sees him like curling his non-existent hair, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, is that is that Edmund?" And like that's like her first that's like so weird. clue into who he might if actually be. If you started be. curling your phantom hair, I don't <laughs> think that would be my first thought. Uh oh. Be like, this guy needs therapy. <laughs> Have you so- never had a haircut before? Oh, <laughs> yeah, like, what happened? I mean, when I'm brushing my hair and I get a haircut, then like, yeah, I feel like, oh, it's oh right, right, it's short, yeah, you know, yeah, but. Um, so as far as the character transformation, that's as far as we get in the movie. Um, I don't know if it's different in the book, but... Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty significant, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not just him, it's, like, his wife's name changes as a symbol of her betrayal, and a a lot of people go through name changes Mm -hmm. as symbols of something bigger. Yeah. So, and usually it means, except for her, it usually means there's some sort of huge shift in personality. Oh, I see. Like, something big has changed. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess the movie can't be as great as the book, is the conclusion that we're making here. Whatever. <laughs> Side note. <laughs> um, well, I think that's... Uh... I think we really just want to see... Andrew in a <laughs> in Edmund costume. And if you want to see Alice in a... Mercedes? Mercedes. It's a lot of boobs, I She has red hair, too, in the movie. Does she? I think. Yeah. That'd be perfect. So if you guys no! want to see Alice in Mercedes, <laughs> vote for me. Vote for the film. If you're going to see Andrew with long, ridiculous hair, then he phantom twirls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, uh, let us know which one you think is better. If you like what the film, you? tweet at Anne Pritchard. If you like the book... Tweet at the Alice Rackham, and if you liked neither, turn this podcast off. Correct. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.